For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! It is a midweek. Birds 365. We got your Mac and Mac guy, John McMullen, Jody McDonald here, hanging with you. Up, wide awake, ready to roll. I saw that first comment, Jody. We're we're it's eight oh two, and that's the immediate first comment. It's yeah, Jody yeah, awake. What did that happen once to Kyle Rogers? Uh, at least three months ago, if not four months ago. Yeah. One time you misset your alarm. And you never recover. Never hear the end of it, man. And yesterday we had actual technical difficulties, but the default setting is, oh, Jody Mack must not have gotten (laughs) up on time. Thank you very much, Kyle Rogers. Now, we are both here and ready to go for the next two hours here on Birds 365. Uh, Johnny Mack, big Eagle signing yesterday. Yeah, waiver wire pickup, technically. But uh, yeah, Uh, they're 12 deep at receiver. Which I, <laughs> yeah, I kind of chuckle at, obviously, 12 deep and, and numbers only, 90-man uh, offseason roster, so you can do the math. Uh, we kind of talked about yesterday when they signed Carrick Wheatfall, uh, who's already got my favorite name of, of the 2022 Eagles, but you do need a lot of bodies at wide receiver and the Eagles announced their joint practices. You know, they're going to be doing joint practices with Miami Cleveland. So, you know, that's where the starters get their work. We already know what Nick Sirianni is going to do from last year when he had joint practices with the Patriots and the Jets. And the Eagles made a big thing about those practices. And we joke they're undefeated. They're putting their title on the line, Jody, their joint practice championship title. Um, they value that more than they do the preseason games, but you got to play the preseason games. So you need bodies to play the preseason games. And that's sort of 
what the back end of this roster looks like at uh, wide receiver. Right, but this isn't uh, the University of Alabama where you can have 142 kids on the football team. There is a hard and fast number of maximum players you can have, and we assume the Eagles are topped out at 12 wide receivers. And I, I, I actually did see the kid from Fresno State play. I do not remember this kid at Florida that they signed yesterday who was released by the Jaguars, um, but I'm going to go way out on a limb here and say, I don't think that either of these two guys will be on the Eagles regular season roster at any point during the year. If either one of them make a liar out of me, guess what? I'll be more than happy to on time be here to eat crow and say, Hey, I was wrong. You made the roster. I don't think that's happening with either of these two guys. Well, the the Eagles fans better hope you're right because if, if they make the roster, that means a lot of guys got hurt and that is not good for the Eagles. So. You better hope Jody Mack is right. I'll put it that way. And maybe one of them every once in a while you find that time squad. The Look, you know, they keep they generally keep two receivers on the practice squad. Um, and we'll see, by the way, I don't even know how big the practice squad is going to be because we're still with the COVID rules last year. I don't know if they're going to keep them there. Or they're going to scale it back to a more normal level. But, you know, the Deion Keynes of the world, Devin Allen, Britton Kobe, Carrick Wheatball, Josh Hammond, Hammond, they'll be fighting for those practice squad spots. And then, you know, that's sort of the launching point. I uh, refresh, refresh mine and everybody else's memories because of COVID. And yes, certainly uh, two years ago, 2020, uh, there was uh, major changes to the practice squad because of COVID, understandably and wisely so by the NFL. And some of those uh, rules were still in place for this last year. Um, veteran guys can be on the practice squad more so than they could before. And did the overall number increase? What did it go from what to what? Yeah, it, 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 went, it went up to 16. Um uh, now, it was interesting because the year that COVID sort of broke out, it was scheduled to increase to 10. So that's where it was supposed to be. Um, and it moved up to 16. But I think even more than the number is what you just mentioned. Um, six of those spots could have went to veteran players. So more than, I think, two seasons accrued seasons is how the nfl would describe it so that you couldn't do that in the past um so it's going to be interesting to see what they do you know anytime you give more jobs the union's happy with it you know maybe they like the way it worked out um and maybe they'll keep it um, or maybe they'll scale it back to what they originally had it at which was going to be 10 and then you wouldn't have veteran players like Jordan Howard's a perfect example of, you know, the Eagles stashed him on the practice squad. You couldn't do that pre COVID times. You got to make a decision, keep him on the roster. Or you got to release him. Um, so it's very helpful, obviously to keep it where it is. Uh, it, it gives you a lot more maneuverability when it comes to players like Jordan Howard, who are sort of, weird valuable in some ways but if you're forced to make a decision you're probably going to keep the younger guy um, on the 53 man roster um so that is something to keep an eye on as we go towards the season summer when the nfl makes a decision on that 
And a uh, quickie reminder again for both myself and our listeners, you you have the, gra- the grasp of the rules of the practice squad down better than most of us. It isn't a complete coverall that they can, quote-unquote, stash somebody on the practice squad. At any point, any NFL team can sign a player away from your practice squad if they're willing to put them on their 53-man roster. It isn't like, oh, we can put them on the practice squad and forget about them. No, no, no. Any team can come and claim your player off your practice squad. They just can't claim and put them on their practice squad. They have to put them on the 53-man roster. And that's why what the Eagles did last year with Jordan Howard, I thought was uh, uh, both a little smart and lucky. Nobody ever wanted any part of Jordan. The Eagles were the only team in the National Football League that saw the value in Jordan Howard. And they know because they've been through it now. Nobody calls Jordan Howard. He's out there still. So it's one of those things where he's more valuable for the Eagles than perhaps other teams. Not perhaps. I mean, it's pretty clear yeah. what the rest of the league thinks about it. Um, you can protect four players each week. Oh, that's right. Is, which, and we don't know that that's going to still be a No, place. don't know, which, you know, was interesting because the Eagles always did that. And I don't understand. A lot of teams didn't do that. And I never understood that. It's one of those little things where, Again, I think the Eagles win a lot outside the margin. It doesn't hurt you. Yeah, I mean, well, protect the four guys. It doesn't cost you to yeah, do that. It doesn't, doesn't cost you anything, anything, right? And there's still a bunch of teams didn't do it. They they might protect one guy, two guys every week. You know, you you protect four. The Eagles always protected four. Um, and yeah, so there is a little bit, you know, sort of the top guys you have on the practice squad you can protect. Um, so there is a little bit of, of comfort and safety that way. Uh, and then, you know, if you do sign somebody off someone else's practice squad, you have to keep them on the 53-man roster for three weeks. So it is a bit of a commitment, which makes it a little bit more difficult as well, gives the team with the practice squad player a little bit more safety, so to speak. So the Eagles added a couple of guys to their 90-man roster at the wide receiver position over the last couple of days. We'll see if they end up being practice squad players or camp fodder, and they're over and done with before you know it. Uh, you did kind of touch on the other breaking news yesterday, although it's more a, a not-all-that-well-kept secret. Uh, Eagle joint practices. We know they had already announced they're going out to Ohio Berea, is that the... Uh, Berea, Ohio, yes. The Lovely bustling, Berea. Bustling town that Johnny Mack will be heading off to to watch joint practices between the Eagles and the Browns. Um, because we knew the Eagles' preseason schedule, we had a pretty good guess as to who they were going to try and schedule other preseason practices against. The weirdness of the preseason schedule being Eagles-Jets are the first game this year, rather... Do you think that anything to do with the scheduling that because the Eagles and Jets almost always play the last preseason week that they schedule their uh, uh, joint practice workouts together that the Eagles might have uh, asked the NFL, hey, can we play the Jets some other way? We play them the first week because we've joint practice with them enough. We don't want to be bothered doing that again. Uh, We want to see a little something else different uh, for the preseason when we do these joint practices. Do you think that had to do with the the schedule as to the fact that the Jets and Eagles aren't playing later in the preseason? Is they yeah, prob- probably. I mean, there's more negotiation between the actual teams in the preseason. 
uh, than there is, you know, with the league. In other words, I shouldn't say more, but you have more autonomy as a team. You could say, we want to, you know, play this preseason game against this team and the league's not going to, you know, as long as everything works out, they're not going to complain about it too much. And generally, a <clears throat> little bit surprising because you want to stay close to home. Right. You know, it's been Baltimore Jets, you know, uh, you know, sometimes I think the Eagles want to get away from Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. They don't want 97 reporters looking at them every day. So I think that plays into it as well. Um, but that's just my own personal speculation. Um, so yeah, you have more autonomy to negotiate for preseason games than you do. Obviously you have no autonomy with regular season games. So, um, and yeah, you probably don't want to join practice against the same team two years in a row. Um, the traditional Jets, you know, we talked about that a little bit as well. The preseason finale, you know, it's changed now. There's not four games either. So ultimately it was going to change at some point. You kind of knew that, whether it scaled back to three or two, because eventually they're getting 18 games. So there's going to be two preseason games. So. Yeah, tradition like any, unlike any other, has has finally ended us. But we still have Jets preseason football, so. Right, it'll be very early this year. But uh, going down to South Florida, Miami Gardens, uh, don't know exactly where. Davy, Florida, I believe is where the Dolphins train. Okay, and that's just outside of Miami. Uh, But if you're heading down, it's warm here in Philadelphia in August. What's it going to be like down there, uh, sitting out in the sun for however long? And, oh, by the way, yes, the Eagles head coach can't dictate everything. When you have those joint practices, you got to negotiate with the other team's coach. And the new Dolphin coach seems a little goofy to me. He might want to do something crazy, like actually put two hours in on the practice field. Uh, the Eagles may have bitten off more than they can chew here, taking on the Dolphins and joint practices, Johnny Mac. Yeah, I'm just looking it up. You are right. They have a new facility. It used to be in Davie. It used to be, it's now the training facility at Nova Southeastern University, but they have a new training facility. So they're another one of those teams. I should have known that. They did one of those. Uh, remember on Hard Knocks, I think the Cowboys did like a drone footage. Uh, oh, that was their, phenomenal. Yeah, it was. it was phenomenal. Well, then the Dolphins did their own. I should have remembered that because they just opened up their new facility. So it is in Miami Gardens. You were right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, now I'm looking more forward to it, to be honest. These new facilities yeah, are they, unbelievable. They, they better have some shade there somewhere, Johnny Mac, because otherwise, well, yeah. I got to tell you, you're going to be looking pink like your partner. Well, yeah, you got to. I mean, obviously, I'm not. You know, I got to I got to use a lot of sunscreen, Jody. So right right off the bat. But. I got it. it. It can't be worse than the Jets Eagles practices last year. It was brutal out there. Can't be much worse than that. Yeah, so. I never saw so much coverage of a tree as yeah, there was at last year's exactly. Jets Eagles practice because they put this big tree in the middle of the practice field yeah. for shade purposes only. So McMullen doesn't get sunburned when he's out covering yeah. the Eagles. Well, practice. we couldn't go by the tree. Us poor reporters. That's the players. The players would immediately go under the tree. As soon as there was a little bit of a break. It, we're, meanwhile, we're on the outside with the sun beating <laughs> down on us. But the Jets, the Jets, as you've seen it, Jody, have a nice facility as well. 
um, and they have these little sort of stands for the fans and, and they spray water on them. So that was a nice little, I was like, are they having a barbecue? I was, there's three practice fields in the jets and, and the farthest one from when you sort of walk in, it has little stands for the fans and, from far away, I'm thinking, are they having a barbecue back there? Because all this smoke is sort of rising up behind the bleachers, sort of like a high school football game or something of that. But no, it was little, you know, sort of showers of water uh, coming out of the stands to keep the fans uh, cool, which I thought was a nice touch. They and we also and, didn't have. They do try and take care of uh, their fans uh, up in North Jersey, do the Jets. Uh, but you won't have to experience that this year. Instead, you're heading south. Down in Miami, uh, I am very interested in the Dolphins this year because I'm a Tua Tungabaloa guy. I've uh, been a big fan since he was at uh, Alabama. This is an unquestioned make-or-break year for him. The Dolphins have been in conversations about quarterbacks to Sean Watson, Tom Brady, and the like a couple of different times over the last year or so uh, that would have meant they'd be moving away from Tua Tungabaloa. New coach has said all the right things, seems dedicated to him. Those practice squad joint practices will probably tell us more than the actual preseason game between the Eagles and the oh, Dolphins. Might not, if you want to know about Josh Hammond, the preseason game will tell you more. The new Eagles receiver from the University of Florida, because he'll be playing at that. Trust me, you'll see a lot of Carson Strong. Um, but we know from last year, Nick Sirianni's not going to play his starters in 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 the preseason. Just not, just not going to do it. Maybe some rookies, a couple, you know, you need just from a number standpoint. But here, we saw with Jalen Hurts as a first-year starter, we're all like, when are we going to see Jalen Hurts in the preseason? When are we going to? Well, nope, nope, not going to see him. Mothballs. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, Reed Stanett may have a uh, major impact on making his roster in these all-important joint practices where the Eagles went 4-0 last year, according to John McMullen and all of his cohorts as the Eagles beat writers because they don't really actually keep score. But if you ask Nick Sirianni and the Eagle uh, reporters, they won all four of those practice. So they put their undefeated uh, joint practice record on the line this year against the Browns and the Dolphins. All right, uh, we got our first time out of the day, and we got two good guests coming your way. Uh, even though it's not a Friday, it's a midweek show. We're going to get uh, Ed Game Day Kratz involved here. Well, the there is a theme to this because the Eagles have media availability on Wednesday, so that's sort of our game days on on during the off season. Okay, so that that, that works for me. Um, all right, well, and even before we punch Kratz up, since you're going to have media availability today. You've gone to – they've done this twice now. This will be the third time um, that they've had uh, players become available for you guys? Uh, yeah, during this portion, you know, obviously we, we've had some players here and there. But now they're on a schedule uh, now that conditioning has started. So it's it's been every Wednesday. All right, so um, we need Johnny Mac speculation. You know who you've already think been about given. It, yeah. Uh, how many guys and what guys are most likely to be available for you individuals, the beat crew to talk to? Uh, I'm definitely going TJ Edwards because we haven't had TJ yet. Um, he would be my hundred percent. It's, it's TJ Edwards time and Ed's popped in. We got to go to the green room. Quez Watkins. I'm going to say we're going to get a Quez Watkins Ooh. day. Uh, and we'll bring in Ed. We'll go to break in here and 
see what he speculates. But yeah, uh, the Eagles yeah. never. The Eagles might give us an hour notice. Hey, it's probably it, going to be so, so so. Here's who you're going to be able to converse with today. Uh, well, coming back, it'll be less than an hour. It'll only be a couple of minutes. Ed Kratz, Sports Illustrated, hops aboard with us next here on Birds 365. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Action News, we cherish every moment. And it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk Champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You got Jen McMullen, Jenna McDonald. Here with you on Birds 365, and you got a well caffeinated Ed Crash joining got us here on Birds 365. How are you, Big Ed? Hey, good morning, guys. I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Yeah, get you up early for the big media availability day. So, who are you predicting? Jody and I were discussing. I got TGA Edwards. I got I got a Lando day, maybe, maybe a little Landon Dickerson, maybe. Maybe Quez Watkins as a surprise. Um, we're down the list. Uh, what are you thinking, Ed? You're not you're not predicting Carrick Wheatfall. 
Uh, yeah, I'd love to talk to Kirk Wheatball. Love to get the backstory on that name. <laughs> <laughs> I, those are the guys I'd like to talk to. I don't know if people want to read about them, but I'd like to talk to guys, you know, down the depth chart of Devin I Allen. I still want to talk to Carson Strong, Devin yeah. Allen. Carson I want to Strong. talk to Catherine Reich, by the way. <laughs> can he, well, can now the Eagles that up? You're planning on going to Berea, Ohio before. I'll probably get to talk to Catherine in Berea. I have talked to Catherine a few times at press boxes. You know, hello. But the Eagles promised to make her available when she was the highest ranking female football executive in NFL history. It never came to be at Gretsch. Still upset about that. Well, I hope we get Fletcher Cox today. You know, I would. Yeah, Fletcher's. Yeah, I should. Haven't had Fletcher yet. All right, here's no. the one I got to know. This is like pressing. Will Aaron Sippus be available for you two guys today? <laughs> Aaron Sipas. That's a good point. You know, somebody tweeted me that. I think it was Dave Weinberg. I got to get Dave on the show, by the way. So I give Dave a shout out. But uh, he said, I, I put, I joked, the Eagles are 12 deep at receiver. And I put the Eagles 12 receivers down. And uh, Dave tweeted, can any of them punt? I am surprised. There is no, still no competition for Aaron Sipas. Does that surprise you, Ed Kratz? Well, I mean, yes and no. Yes, and that Sipas struggled at the end of last year. You'd think some competition would do him good. But no, in the fact that the Eagles just never seem to bring in any uh, extra legs, so to speak, with their kicking game. They they did the same with uh, Jake Elliott. They never really brought in any competition, and now they're doing it with Sippus, and they never did it with Donnie Jones. And um, who was the guy that they sent, that went to Texas? Uh, Cam Johnston. Cam Johnson. Yeah. They, they well, never- they did bring in Cam the one year. Remember, Cam was here and battling with with Donnie Jones his yeah. last year, and I I guess Donnie won the job because he was a better holder. And then they managed to bring Cam back the next year. That was the one year they had some legit competition but you're right i mean they they kind of stick with their guys they should with jake elliott i mean i jake's coming off a great year yeah um, remember he had his struggles a couple yeah. years ago when there was talking yeah. about whether they're going to bring in, they, they just don't seem to do it and yet maybe they will they have what three i think they still have three open spots on the roster i think it's two or three yeah, yeah two. It's that 90 man limit so you know they they could potentially bring in a, a punter to compete, even to just get, you know, some extra, you know, to give uh, Sippus some rest during training camp so he doesn't have to make all the kicks. But you know, with all the machines they have that simulate the punts and the kickoffs, you don't really have to use those guys uh, as often as you probably used to in the past before those machines were invented. Well, if they've got two spots left on the roster for the 90-man uh, I got to believe they're bringing in at least one more wide receiver, maybe two, but uh, <laughs> more wide, more wide receivers than they know what to do with. Um, really. I, somewhat like wide receiver, uh, a position which has depth, at least on the roster, but I want to get your take on how it's going to play out when we get down to 53 rather than 90. Ed. They got a lot of tight ends on this roster too. Uh, I think they're seven deep right now at tight end, which Wide receivers, you can get three of them on the field at the same time, if not four, if not five. Yeah, if you got three tight end sets, one of them better be basically an offensive lineman. Um, We know who the number one tight end is going to be. How big a battle is it going to be between the other six 
for their spots, both on the 53-man roster, the practice squad roster. Do you like where the Eagles are at with tight end right now, Ed? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, they drafted one, Grant Calcaterra, and, you know, the, those 13 personnel sets with three tight ends doesn't have to be an O-lineman. It has in the past. We've seen Siamalu play tight end, uh, you know, when he was first breaking into the league. Um, but, yeah, I think they, they've used 13 last year with Tyree Jackson, Jack Stoll, and Dallas Goddard on the field. So, um, you know, Stoll being a pretty good blocker in the run game, so you can use him in those sets. Um, but, yeah, I, I like where they are. But you're, you're right, Jody. It's a, it's a crowded spot, just like receiver. You know, you, with Tyree Jackson, he probably won't be ready to start the year. I would expect he'll be on PUP uh, after that late ACL tear. I think that was in week 18 against the Cowboys. Um, so he'll probably be on PUP. And then after that, you have, uh, you know, Grant Calcaterra. You have Richard Rodgers. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I like where they are at the tight end spot. I think Calcaterra is going to be uh, a very good player for them. I really do. I think he's going to see some time uh, depending on Tyree Jackson and how his progress is going. But I like Calcaterra in that spot. I think he, when you look at the impact that these five drafted players can make outside of Nicobe Dean and Jordan Davis, I think Grant Calcaterra could come in and, and, and give this team some good snaps as well. Um, in, in, you know, 12 and 13 personnel sets. So I, I like where they are at tight end for sure. And, of course, Dallas Goddard, one of the best in the league. Yeah. Um, Depth-wise, though, and you never – look, I say all the time, you can't legislate injuries and, and you have a top-five tight end. But if Dallas even, you know, has a high ankle sprain, he's got to miss a couple, three, four games. I'm not, I'm not in love with that depth – in other words, I'm with you in that long term, the Eagles might be fine at the position with Grant and, and Tyree Jackson. But for immediacy, if they need somebody to step in for Dallas Goddard, I'm a little concerned with that position. It's, it, it's tough to replace a guy that's, you know, one of the top five or six tight ends in the league, you know, no matter who you have. Um, you know, the Eagles were blessed with Ertz and Goddard on the same roster. Uh, for a number of years, and you don't have that situation. But I, I think they could get through. And, and Dallas does struggle sometimes staying healthy for a, a full season. He'll he'll get, you know, some some nicks and bruises. But um, I, I think they can get through in a short-term situation with Jack Stoll um, and Tyree Jackson, perhaps, and, and Calcaterra. And then, you know, like we mentioned, you know, Richard Rodgers is a veteran who's been doing it a long time. And when they needed him a couple of years ago, he had a great three or four game stretch where he caught yeah, he and added yards. Now he's a little older, but he's still a veteran guy that, uh, you know, could could step in and give you, you know, a month's worth of work if Dallas were to miss some time. So uh, I would have liked to have seen them sign the tryout Penn State basketball. Yeah, that would have been it. They still got two spots. That's a yeah. nice story. Well, they they could have yeah. another tight end, uh, the yeah. receiving tight end. They want guys who can catch balls and these joint practices that they're scheduling. <laughs> so wouldn't be surprised if they sign another tight yeah. end. Uh, Johnny, yeah. and I, I do want to ask you this, uh, and I'll readily admit ahead of time, difficult question. I have no idea what the answer would be, but I'm just spitballing off the top of my head. How many teams in the NFL, if they lose their number one tight end, don't fall prey to, uh-oh, all of a sudden our depth isn't good enough. How many teams in the NFL right now have a, a tight end one and a tight end one A? But the guy who's backing up your starter is not that bad a drop-off. 
I think that's basically 30 out of the other 31 teams in the National Football League. I don't know if too many teams. Well, it might have been might have been the Eagles with Goddard and Ertz, but I right. hear what and, you're saying, but it, that's not my concern. Look, obviously, when you lose a top five player, you're not going to replace him with a top five player unless, you know, pure luck and you got somebody who's a superstar in waiting that you don't think um, that needs some time or whatever. Um my concern is the level of drop-off. I think a lot of those teams, the level of drop-off is not as drastic as it is in Philadelphia. But, yeah, anytime you lose that player, you're not going to replace a, a Pro Bowl-level player with a Pro Bowl-level player in general. But there are levels of drop-off, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, and, I don't think it's that steep. I don't think it's that steep for the Eagles. I, I really don't. I, you know, but – to answer Jody's question, you might have a better chance naming the backup quarterbacks in the league than you would the backup. Right, the tight ends. I got no idea. I mean, yeah, who, who's after Ertz in Arizona? Who, who is, who's oh. Kelsey's backup in Kansas City right now? I got no bloody idea, but if Kelsey <laughs> goes off the field, Chiefs are screwed because there's going to be a drop-off. So if yeah. you are lucky enough and you put yourself in position to be lucky enough to have a top-five tight end, I'd just be thankful for it rather than go, uh-oh, if he gets hurt, we've got this massive well, problem. I, and that's why I said, put in there. look, I, now i got to defend myself. I, you know, you, And that's why I said you can't legislate injuries. I know that. But there are, you know, levels of drop-off. Uh, and, and, you know, there are teams who have decent backup tight ends. And, you know, I'll go down the list and, you know, there's guys like, uh, you know, Austin Hooper and, uh, you know, think about your Jets, Jody. Your Jets signed the kid from Cincinnati, uh, C.J. Uzama, and Tyler Conklin, who had like 60 catches with Minnesota last year. That's what right. I'm talking about. But um, the, the Patriots did the same thing, signed two tight ends, yeah. big money thing. And what did those tight ends actually give the Patriots? No, but it's year? a fair point. But I'm saying that drop-off is a hell of a lot less steep than Dallas Goddard to Jack Stoll is, you know, my only defense. And it could it could be Calcaterra. I mean, it could be, the you know, Goddard to Calcaterra. And we don't know what Calcaterra is. I mean, certainly he was a rising star in college until the concussions came along. And he had a good season last year with SMU. Um, but you know, talking about tight ends, look down in Dallas, you know, there was a lot of love coming out of their rookie camp for the Wisconsin, uh, draft pick, Jake Ferguson. And you, you know, he might get some time with Dalton Schultz in Dallas and you might see a lot of 12, uh, personnel out of the Cowboys, uh, this season, you know, they're missing Amari Cooper now and they lost. Yeah, Cedric they Wilson. have, I, I, you know, they have, uh, Dalton Schultz, who's a good tight end and I, is Dor uh, uh, Blake Jarwin, I think, is still there. So they're pretty good at tight end. We're, we're talking about the Dolphins. We'll get to the joint practices. But they have Mike Gesicki and Doram Smythe. So there are teams with, with you know, legit backup tight end situations. Look, I'm nitpicking. It's the offseason. It's May, Jody. That's what I got to do. I got to nitpick. And they're, I'm concerned about the depth of tight end. Here, And here's the point. I'm really driving at more than anything else. We're nitpicking the backup tight end position. Who's their CB2 right now? You're uh, right. There are bigger fish to fry, bigger things to worry about. We're arguing backup tight end. When is Howie going to get himself another starting cornerback across from big play slay, Ed Kratz? 
they're going to play six of them out on the corner. They're going to play yeah. with 14 guys. They're going to play, you know, with an extra three cornerbacks. Oh, I, I missed the memo that they're rewriting the rules that you're allowed <laughs> to have extra players at cornerback if you're the Eagles because they haven't been able to get their other starter. They have, yeah. uh, the, the, they the have Eagles their other starter. They'll tell you they have their other starter. But they told you that last year. By the way, my, my, my bigger – I think a lot of people say, you know, the Eagles drafted Zach McPherson in the fourth round last year. At this time last year on this show, we were probably saying that the Eagles were like, well, we're comfortable with Zach McPherson. We're comfortable with Zach. We think he can do some things. And then two days before camp started, boom, there's Steve Nelson. Um, never left the field, basically. First first play of team drills, starting corner, never left the field. Played the whole season. Um I think that's going to happen this time around as well. But I'm going to throw this prediction at you, Ed. Um, if the Eagles aren't able to get a veteran corner, I'm betting on Tay Gowan over Zach McPherson. What do you think? Yeah, I like Tay Gowan's length. Um, and, and it's funny because, you know, I knew more about Tay Gowan coming into the draft last year than I did about Zach McPherson. I got to be honest. And McPherson went in the fourth round and Tay Gowan, who I like coming out of central Florida, went in the sixth round. So, um, yeah, I, I like Tay Gowan in that spot. I think he's a confident type player um, and he could be your starter, especially given the fact that McPherson does play a lot of special teams uh, and he's pretty good at it. So Gowan could have the leg up. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, I, I will say, you know, when we, talk about the joint practices or we're going to talk about them, but you know, the Cleveland Browns have kind of a spare part at cornerback that might interest the Eagles and greedy Williams. Um, I take greedy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could be a guy that, you know, he's an LSU guy, you know, they have a little bit of a history recently with that college. Um, but you know, they have the front office pieces that are in Cleveland that used to be in Philadelphia with Andrew Barry and Catherine Raish. Um, so, I mean, he could be somebody to keep an eye on once summer hits and, you know, teams start to sort out what they have and what they don't have. And, you know, maybe that could be someone to keep an eye on. And the Eagles are playing them, I think, you know, in, in that kind of that range where it would be good to make a trade. It's I think it's leading up to the October or the August 21st game. Um, so Greedy Williams could be someone to keep an eye on. He's an extra part, spare part in Cleveland, gives them depth. Maybe they don't want to part with them, but. Who knows? I mean, the Eagles could make a play to try to get Greedy Williams. Now, speaking of trades, and we've given Howie Roseman a lot of credit here because he earned it, deserved it. He's very good on uh, both leading up to the draft and then draft day with maneuvering and, and adding and subtracting picks and getting value uh, where he thinks he needs it. We also speculated leading up to the draft that the Eagles had some players on their roster that could potentially be moved. Their backup left tackle is still here, even though there was some pretty good speculation that they might be able to move on from him, even though he's a former number one draft pick. Another former number one draft pick at wide receiver who's had two very unproductive years so far that people were hoping that the fact that they uh, were picked as high as they were could give the Eagles uh, enough impetus to be able to deal them. Will both of those two guys still be here by the time the season opens uh, this year, uh, Ed Kratz, or uh, will Howie Roseman be able to work out any kind of deal to move on from former first-round draft pick busts? 
Yeah, I, I think they would like to move on from them. Uh, but Howie's just not going to give away two former number one picks. He wants what he wants. He's going to get greedy, so to speak. And you can't blame him. I mean, you know, Andre get greedy, Williams. get greedy, get, get greedy, greedy Williams. There we right. go. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think they would, they would like to probably find a landing place for one of those guys because uh, they talk about spare parts, greedy Williams in Cleveland, certainly. Andre Dillard is a, is a spare part, and he can really only play left tackle. I know he's being cross-trained at right tackle, but, uh, you know, he's a guy that's pretty limited in where he can play. So, uh, but again, I don't, I don't think Howie's going to move on anybody. Now, maybe you can get a third with a conditional, you know, one of those conditional picks, or maybe it can, be, can become a second uh, based on, you know, play time or whatever. Uh, and the same with Jalen Rager. There was, there was the report that the Eagles tried to swap him for Chuck Clark, the, the safety uh, down in Baltimore. Uh, but again, I think it just is because Howie wants more than just Chuck Clark. You know, he wants a little bit more for Jalen Rager. Um, That's crazy, by the way. Yeah. It, it oh, is oh, by crazy. the way, <laughs> if, if that report is accurate, what the hell is Howie thinking? Yeah. But again, I, I just think he's not going to give up guys that he wants to make sure he recoups, you know, the investment that he made in them just a couple years ago. So unless he's willing to come off of his stance that he'll take a little bit less um, he won't move them. Um, but I suspect that it, at some point when they decide they need a cornerback, because Tay Gowan and Zach McPherson just aren't good enough, and there's somebody out there that they can get, then they could throw one of those guys in to whatever deal they make in the summer. We saw them do the player-for-player player trade with Darby and um, Jordan Matthews a few years ago. The Eagles had to throw a third-round sweetener in there. But, um, you know, you could see something like that in the summertime. Um, Again, it depends on if Howie wants to move off of his asking price and take a little bit less. Um, we mentioned Zach Ertz a, a little bit earlier when we were talking the tight ends, but I remember getting lambasted by Jody Mack. People like Ed Kratz and myself would tell Jody, you know, look, the Eagles are trying to trade Zach Ertz. They're trying to trade Zach Ertz. Um, and they didn't trade Zach Ertz. Um, and Howie was really, really stubborn. And ultimately, when he had to trade him, when it finally came to the end of the road, he got Tay Gowan, and he got, I think it was a fifth-round pick? I think it was a fifth-round pick. It was a fifth-round pick, yeah. Not much. Not much for a player the caliber of Zach Ertz. Can you overplay the – I always joke that how he wins every trade. Well, there's an example of, you know, he doesn't win every trade close to it, but – um. If you push it too far with these types of players, and yeah, it's a little bit different. I mean, Zach is an aging player, very proven. Jalen Rager hasn't proven anything. I think Andre Dillard has more value because while I agree with you, Ed, that he's only a left tackle, if you're a starter, that doesn't matter. And there's plenty of places he could start. Like Jason Kelsey's only a center. He told us that last week. His yeah. one play at guard didn't work out. But nobody talks about it because he's a center and he's an all-pro center. And he's not going to be asked to move anywhere else. That's only backups. Andre would be going somewhere in theory to start. Do you think Howie gets too stubborn with these veteran players that aren't going to be a big part of this team? So why not? spin them off uh, yeah you could say that you could say he gets stubborn and he tries to get what he gets and then you know eventually you have to cut bait when that time comes and I, I think with Ertz it was kind of a favor to him also you know I know they 
held him probably longer than Ertz would have liked. He would have liked to have been gone in the summer where he could get a full year with yeah. his new team. Um, but, you know, again, and how he says this, he's not just going to give away good players. And, you know, Dillard can be a starter in this league. I, I think a pretty successful one at left tackle. Um, but nobody's beating down their door for a left tackle right now to start on their team. I mean, I don't know which teams need left tackles to step in at this point and start. Now, maybe in the summer, that market will develop a little bit. And if it doesn't, then, then they just hang on to them. Um, but the Eagles already lost one lineman and Nate Herbig. They had to release him um, after they took Cam Jurgens. And now you're going to, if you get rid of another guy in Dillard, I mean, now your depth is kind of taking a little bit of a hit here. Um, so they're not going to be quick to give him away. It's got to be a deal how he wants. And I, you could call it stubbornness or you could just call it being smart, really. I mean, he's just trying to play the field and explore what options are available. And if they trickle out and they want to move on at some point for, for less, then they'll do it. But there's no rush. There really isn't any rush to get rid of these guys. John, I remember the conversations we did have last year at the opening of training camp about Zach Ertz and a potential trade the reason why I kept uh, bringing it up was I just got the feeling and you knew better because you were down there that the coach didn't necessarily want to trade. Well, coach Ertz. loved him. Cause loved he's him. going yeah. out into practice and going, who are the two best guys we got catching the football, my tight end and my tight end. Uh, why are we getting rid of one of these two guys when they're the two best guys I got catching the ball? I think yeah. that the coach and the general manager might've been on a slightly different page as to the value of Ertz and the timing of moving on from Ertz. So that's why I harped on it as much as I did uh, last year. Right, let's talk about those wideouts. How important is it for Jalen Hurts leading up to the season, all these practices we're going to have, joint practices with other teams, and they're going to play in the preseason games. So uh, all the limited workouts that they're going to have, are they going to be on the exact page week number one because – they're buddies and they work out with nobody playing any defense on them uh, during the summertime. Uh, A.J. Brown's got to hit the ground running and be the number one wide receiver on this team. Is that going to be the case, Ed Kratz? Well, they were on the same page when they went to Atlanta last year, kind of taking a similar approach, and they blew out the Falcons. But the next five of their next six games, they didn't seem to be on the same page. You know, they lost five of their next six, but – um, yeah, well, I mean, we saw them come out of the gate last year fast, and this is year two with Sirianni. Maybe he knows a little bit better how to approach this, um, maybe make a few tweaks. Um, See, so yeah, I, I think they'll be fine. I mean, that seems to be the trend across the NFL where they have these joint practices where these teams get a lot of work in in sort of a controlled environment, and then in the preseason game they don't play anybody or they play them for a series. Um, yeah. and, and, and that tries, you know, trying to manage their health. So they're ready to go in week one. Uh, and then they make tweaks as they go. I mean, you know, we've said it before where, you know, the first couple of weeks of an NFL season is almost kind of like training camp, uh, you know, an extended training camp while these guys work to get on the same page. So that's no different. Uh, but I, I like these joint practices. I think they're good. I think I, I like, the work that gets done, you know, John and I went to both last year in New York and against the Patriots here in Philadelphia. And, you know, that it's good work. You know, these guys get a lot of good work in, in a controlled environment. And then when the game comes, it's, it's a shame for the fans that have to put the money out for these, for these games, because they're not going to see anybody. Um, but yeah, I, I think when the season begins, it's always a work in progress for every team, no matter how you play your preseason or set up your training camps. 
And it's going to be this year, it's going to be Berea, Ohio, and Miami Gardens, Florida. While I show up in Davie, thank God for Jody, I would have been in Davie, Florida. But the <laughs> Dolphins opened their new training facility last year. Um, and, you know, I agree with you. Look, Nick Sirianni clearly values these joint practices for starters more than, and his key players as well more than the preseason games. Um, it doesn't matter where you get the work. If you get the work and you can control the environment in, in joint practices. In other words, if you're struggling in red zone, you can get together with, um, uh, you know, the coaches and say, look, I, I need some red zone periods and you can work on that. Whereas in a preseason game, you have to hope that just comes to fruition in the, the natural evolution of the game. So when it comes to sort of those under um, reported players, underappreciated long shots, whatever you want to call them, we just talked about the 12 man depth chart at wide receiver. Do they have a more difficult time catching a coach's eye in this environment? Do you think it? No, I don't think so. Not at all. I mean, there's cameras all over the place and they're going to study what these guys do, but, and it is a controlled environment. If you're, if you're a coach and you say, Hey, you know, Carrick Wheatfall, he looked pretty good today. Uh, you know, in the five plays that we ran for him, let's, let's up his count. Let's talk to the other coach and see if we can run maybe an additional five plays where we can get Carrick Wheatfall the ball. Um, you know, you have to just know your personnel and you have to understand what you're seeing and then you can get them the advanced reps. Like you say, like, it's a controlled environment. So if you see somebody you want to see more of, then let's make it happen. You know, let's talk to the other coach and how, you know, like in, in preseason games, you're not going to get your, your goal line defense may not get 10 red zone snaps. Whereas in these controlled environments, you can get your defense 10 red zone snaps or your offense for that matter, where in a game you may not get any, yeah. or you might just get two or three. So now you're really working on that part of your, of your game or, because you can control the situation. And I would think it'd be the same way with a young player. If you're seeing something you like from a young guy, uh, yeah, great. And they're still going to get the reps in a game, you know, these young guys. So they're getting it reps in the practice, and then they're going to play in the game more than the starter. See, I think young guys have an ample amount of time to show what they can do. All right. Speaking of young guys, I want to get your take on a guy who's uh, going to be a second-year player this year, which still stamps him as a young guy, uh, just not a rookie. Kenneth Gainwell, a lot of people believe this is going to be a quote-unquote breakout year for him. He did flash last year, but he also had games where he just wasn't a factor at all when Miles Sanders was healthy and Jordan Howard was going well and Boston Scott was scoring touchdowns. Um, how do they expand the role of Kenneth Gainwell? Do you think they will expand the role of Kenneth Gainwell this year, Eddie? I do. I, I think he will be have an expanded role. Second year, they always like to talk about that jump between year one to year two. Um, you know, Gainwell made a pretty costly mistake. I think it was in Vegas against the Raiders where he fumbled late in the first half, and that yeah. gave the Raiders yeah. another chance to score a touchdown, and the blowout was on from there. So, um, you know, he was a rookie. So you hope that, yeah, he's going to make that jump, and I think they're going to get him the ball. I mean, you still have Miles Sanders, I think, that they're going to – uh, work hard in this offense. But, yeah, Gainwell's going to be given a shot. And he was given a shot last year. Remember, <laughs> the, that offense was just Sanders and Gainwell. Yeah. 
Yeah, for the first, really until the Las Vegas game, as you mentioned, Ed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and then Miles got hurt, yeah. and Jordan came in, and Boston came in, and you couldn't get them off the field because they played well. So I'll end it there with you, yeah. Kenny. Uh, yeah. Jody mentioned Kenny. Um, and before I say that, read Ed at si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. Follow him on Twitter at Kratz E. Um, you know, Jordan Howard's still out there. It's an annual tradition now almost. When is he going to get the phone call? Is he going to get the phone call? Um, he seems more valuable for the Eagles than any other team. There's no interest, but he's really effective when he's on the field for the Eagles. Um, is he going to be back this year? Well, I, I don't think so. I mean, you know, J Jason Huntley, I think they're going to give him a real uh, chance and, you know, I, I kind of like this undrafted free agent they brought in from Oklahoma, Kennedy Brooks. Um, you know, I don't know what the future holds for him. Maybe he's a, a practice squad guy, but I just don't see, you know, any room at this point for Jordan Howard. Now, if something happens to one of their backs as we go through the spring and then in training camp and he's still out there, then maybe they bring him in. But I just I think it's a numbers game for for Jordan Howard at this point. I think they like obviously Boston Scott. They brought him back. Uh, Jason Huntley, I think, kind of flashed late in the season, flashed enough to think that, hey, maybe, you know, we can find a role for him. And then you have Kennedy Brooks possibly as kind of maybe the practice squad guy who, who learns the game on the practice squad. And then, and then what do you have for Jordan Howard? I mean, it's, it's nothing but scraps. And I just don't see the Eagles going in that direction unless there's an injury that happens as the season, as the offseason here goes on. All right, last one for me, and this is for uh, Ed, but also, Johnny, if you want to chime in, because uh, both you guys will be involved today. I asked <laughs> earlier about uh, the offensive line, potential deal. Could Andre Dillard be dealt? He wasn't dealt before the draft, before the season started. Same with Jalen Rager, first-round draft pick. I, with tongue firmly implanted in cheek, asked about Aaron Sipos being available to you guys for uh, media today. How about Gardner Minshew? His name got kicked around as a potential trade guy if they could get that much higher a pick than what they had to give up with him. Uh, maybe they'd be willing to move Gardner Minshew. He and his mustache are still here. They didn't <laughs> deal him anywhere. He is their backup quarterback right now. Is he a guy that you would like to talk to uh, in any of these media availabilities? Do you think the Eagles will keep that out of uh, your, your uh, capabilities because they want to stick to the where we believe in Jalen Hurts. Jalen is the guy uh, narrative that they've been spinning all off season. Will you get a chance to talk to a Gardner Minshew before camp opens up? Well, I would be very shocked if they made Gardner Minshew available, to be honest. I, I yeah. don't see it um, for a lot of reasons. And I think you touched on some of them there, Jody, but I, you know, he was a guy I thought was going to get traded before the draft or after or during the draft and the Eagles would take a quarterback and, I just don't see how you can part ways with him now because he's really your experienced guy. If something were to happen to Hertz, then you're turning over the backup role to, you know, Reed Sinet or Carson Strong. And, you know, that's not that's not a good plan for anybody, I don't think. So, you know, I just don't see how they make uh, trade Minshew and I just don't see how they make him available to talk to us. Uh, and yeah, it would be, and this is where it hurts because you could just grab him coming off the practice field in the old days, and yeah. you know, um, 
and, and by the way, you know, the Eagles aren't concerned about Jalen Hurts in that aspect. I mean, he's the guy here. And Nick already mentioned last year. Remember when Gardner had the big game against the Jets and everybody said, oh, it's the Jets. Even Jody, a Jets fan, would say it's the Jets. It was the Jets. Bad defense. Um, but he played really, really well. And Gardner went into Nick's office and said, look, what do I got to do to be the starter on this team? And Nick was like, eh, you're not going to be the starter on this team. Yeah, so do a, do a Nancy Kerrigan on uh, our starting quarterback's yeah. leg is the only way you're yeah. getting in as the starter there, Gardner. So I don't think they're worried about Jalen Hurts from that perspective. But, yeah, it's, yeah. it's you know, I'd like to talk to a lot of these guys. But we're still in the post uh, – COVID world, which is a little bit pre-COVID, and it stinks, to be honest. And there's a lot of good stories left hanging on the vine, Ed, because we can't talk to these guys. It's it's depressing in a way. Yeah, it's a shame. And like I said, I, when I started, I'm not sure how much the readers want to read about these guys, but I, I certainly like to write stories about underdogs and you yeah. know, kind of off-the-beaten-track type players that are still trying to fight for an opportunity to you know, to make a life in the NFL. And, you know, we're just not going to get those stories until we get a chance to get them coming off the field or get them back in the locker room. Who knows if that'll ever happen again. Um, but, you know, look, we take what we get and, uh, you know, try to turn lemonade out of lemons or something, whatever that saying is, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a shame. But, yeah, I don't think they're worried about Hurts, his mind being the guy. It's but you have to think, like, what if he gets hurt? You know, what ha- What if? And and by the way, I think Gardner Minshew is a really good backup quarterback. Yeah. I think he's a really good backup quarterback. Top five backup quarterback in the NFL, I would say. He's yeah. solid, but uh, he was out there with the other JV players. Uh, week 18 against the Dallas Cowboys, it wasn't uh, as good as he was against the Jets. Cowboys defense a little bit better than the Jets defense. I Slightly. Guess. Slightly. We'll acknowledge yeah. that. All right, uh, Eddie K. Johnny will uh, be talking to you later on in the afternoon. Enjoy the player availability. We'll get you up here in a couple weeks again on Birds 365. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Ed. Ed Kratz, John's running mate from Sports Illustrated here with us on Birds 365. All right, coming back, we got a good guest in hour number two as well. Hope you'll, hopefully you recognize the name. Matt Manicharian, our NFL draft guy who's uh, Sports sports Information Solutions, um, mixes both analytics and scouting to evaluate uh, the NFL draft. We haven't had Matt on since the draft. Uh, We'll get him up later today. We're coming back here on Birds 365. Field of Life. First Trust Bank is there for you. 
Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that can Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just... You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Disappears. John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. You got your Mac and Mac guys in tow for another hour. Uh, Matt Manicharian from uh, sportsinfosolutions.com going to join us to uh, talk about the draft. I haven't had Matt on since the draft. We'll do that today. And certainly one of the things I'm going to bring up is the Eagles getting N'Kobe Dean in the third round, uh, which I think two years from now, three years from now, we'll be talking about the steal of the draft. 
Um, I'll, we'll ask Matt where he had him rated coming into the draft and why he eventually fell to the Eagles in the 80s. Can't believe he was uh, all the way down into the 80s and how much of an influence is our measurables. Because that's what Matt is key with is uh, the way that teams use analytics to help evaluate players. I think they've gotten this one wrong because I think the kid's going to be a star and they'll go back and uh, reevaluate the measurables. Uh, the guy I keep referring to in comparison, I know they're two different positions, different side of the balls or whatever. But yeah, Cooper Cup fell into the third round a couple of years as well. Why? His measurables. He ran four, six and change at the combine. Oh, you can't take a wide receiver who only runs four, six. Oh, except he goes on to become the best wide receiver in the <laughs> National Football League. I'm hoping it's the same for Nicobe Dean. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you with, you know, you have to have a baseline, I always say, to play in the NFL from an athleticism, size, strength standpoint, those measurables you're talking about. Once you hit that baseline, um, then it becomes the other stuff, the technique, the work ethic, all that kind of stuff, football IQ. I I think all that stuff, Nicobe Dean the intangible stuff, the football IQ, that stuff he's got in speed. So you start talking about, you know, but you mentioned the Cooper Cup. Here's the difference to me why Nicobe Dean can't become Cooper Cup on the defensive side. The game isn't played like that anymore. Like the game, it's a passing game and Cooper Cup's a wide receiver. So, you know, if he gets in the right situation, which he did with the Los Angeles Rams, obviously, and they have a high-volume thrower, as I like to say. So he's going to get a lot of targets. He's going to get a lot of opportunities. If you're going to be a three-down linebacker in the NFL, it's about pass coverage more than anything else. What Nicobe does well is very instinctive, uh, very old-school player, You know, always going to be in the right spot, no false steps, um, going to be really good for the so-called two-down player. Can he cover? Can he cover? Can he be on the field for three downs? That, to me, is going to tell the story of N'Kobe Dean. Because if you're a two-down player, you're limited. You're not going to be Cooper Cup. You know, that's right, what I'm didn't, saying. Didn't the Eagles trade up to get a two-down player in the first round? Yeah, and he's limited as well. Um, and people have made that criticism. The people who do criticize the Jordan Davis pick. That's what they're criticizing. You shouldn't take a two-down player with the 13th overall pick you've heard that over and over again you know can they have a big enough impact on the game to be worth 13 overall that's a legitimate debate you know and the hope is he's more than a two down player and we'll see i think the you know people talk about the floor versus ceiling the floor of jordan davis is a is a two down great run stuffer that's the floor and that's pretty good can he hit the ceiling where he's a three down player I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, but yeah, I, same thing. There's certain limitations. If you're not on the field all the time, it's tough to be um, that effective. And that's why there's a bigger value on edge rushers and, and, and certain positions than other positions. I mean, that's just, that's why they value positions the way they do. Except Ed Russell's too can be two down players uh, in the specialized world that is the new National Football League with situational substituting and the like. Uh, here's my opinion in the Kobe Dean, and we'll find out if he's going to be anywhere near as good as I think he's going to be. You're not going to want to take this kid off the field ever. 
that he will absolutely be a three-down linebacker. When they're in dime coverage, he's going to be the one linebacker left on the field for the Philadelphia. Wow, that's, that's a bold statement. That's how good I think he's going to be. Yeah, I, I I don't see it from a pass coverage standpoint. We were talking about tight ends. I mean, think about the tight ends. I say it all the time. I, I mean, you, you, you know, the Kittles, the Kelseys, the Goddards of the world. I mean, they're all monsters. And in, in the fact that, you know, even if the, the problem with those types of players is, you know, safeties can cover them, um, but they're too big. They just, you know, wall them off. They play basketball. Um, and, and you know, certain linebackers can deal with them physically uh, because they have the strength and, and you know, maybe they're longer than Nicobe, but they're not athletic enough. And that's why it's a difficult, difficult matchup. So I don't know. It is a tough position to play. And one of the reasons it's been devalued and specialized, and I'm talking about a linebacker, and because the coverage part of it is so difficult. And there really are. There aren't a ton of three-down linebackers in the NFL um, because it's just a, it's a, it's a matchup nightmare from a defensive perspective. So you try to get as many coverage people on the field as you can, and then you have the the trickle effect that I always say nobody cares about in May. Nobody cares about run support now. So we talk about Hassan Reddick's going to be there. Kajir White's going to be there because he can cover. And everything looks good on paper in May. Yeah, we got this guy to cover this guy. And this guy's going to rush the passer. And then all of a sudden, you get the December. And you got the 300-pound right tackle you know, bowling over the 235-pound defensive end. And, oh, by the way, he's backed up by a glorified safety playing linebacker. Right. Uh, this, these are the issues you have and probably keep Jonathan Cannon up at night. If there are no linebackers in the league that are going to be three-down linebackers, that the league has become such a situational substitution and, yes, added influence more and more every single week on who can cover who out of the backfield. And like, okay, well, then you're right. The Nicobe Dean might not be a three-down linebacker because there would be no three-down linebackers in the NFL. I think at some stage in his career and maybe as early as year two, he might be on the field as much as any other linebacker in the league. If it's not three down, well, then so be it. If he's getting more snaps than any linebacker on any other team, I'd say he's a pretty successful linebacker and a guy. That well, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 so here you're pretty much three down. And I'm going to throw Micah Parsons out because he is different. Uh, um, uh, you know, he was edge rusher. He's he's sort of that weird, unique player. So I'm going to throw him out. Uh, Devondre Campbell, Green Bay had a great year last year. Uh, Fred and Warner. Got, and got paid. Yeah, Fred Warner, great player. Uh, Darius Leonard, great player. Demario Davis, great player. Bobby Wagner, Hall of Fame player. Uh, Matt Milano in Buffalo is probably one of the more underrated players. Uh Eric Kendricks, who I think, you know, is the best coverage linebacker in football. Um, those are the guys you're talking about. Um, can you get to that level? Uh, uh, right. We'll right. But to me, it, it'll you depend on coverage. How many, how many names did you roll out there? Six or seven? Uh, 
Yeah, about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Seven out of 32 teams in the National Football League. So well, there are some other guys that aren't effective that played. Uh, Jordan Brooks in Seattle, Cole Holcomb in Washington. Um, but I don't consider them as effective. Right. Do, do I think that Kobe Dean can be as good as those two guys you just mentioned? Oh, yeah. D- damn Skippy, I do. Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons, who hasn't lived up to the billing. Roquan Smith, who hasn't really lived up to the billing, but is really talented. I, I, you know, he might turn into somebody. C.J. Mosley with your Jets is another one. Devin White in Tampa Bay, who had a bad year, but has won Super Bowls. Uh, Deion Jones, who had a bad year, but has been a very good player. Uh, so these are the sort of the three down linebackers. Tay Crowder with the Giants, who was not good, but um, there's a there's there's a bunch of them, but not a bunch who do it well is how I would describe it. And I think Dean can. I I don't know uh, if he gets into that truly upper class, the seven and five six seven names you mentioned. At one year, his career year, he might be in that group, but can he be consistently in that group like a Bobby Wagner you pointed out is? Uh, I don't know that. But that next group of guys, the next six or seven that you would consider three down linebackers, absolutely believe he can be in that, which makes him a pretty damn valuable player, which you don't usually get in the third round of an NFL draft. Is the, Getting back to the original point I made, I can't believe the value that the Eagles got with that pick because if you can get a guy who is in that top tier of top 10 at your at his position, which would be quote-unquote three-down linebacker, and you do so at the 80-something pick in the draft, that's a damn good uh, pick, and I, there's a little luck involved that the other teams passed on as well. I'd actually be a little bit more um, clued in, supportive, if they had traded up a couple slots to get him, which I know is stupid. You, you you got him where you got him. So if you had to trade up to get him, you wasted uh, to get up and get him. But it would have shown me that, oh, they really did like the guy. Uh, we'll never know how much they truly yeah, did like I'm him. Interested. Or just fell down to them. I'm interested how it shakes out because, you know, I'm a, evidently I'm the biggest TJ Edwards fan in Philadelphia because nobody else – Although, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. One of the two of us suggested TJ Edwards get a contract extension this year. Uh, which of the two of us was it? That was you. That was well, me. so, uh, so I, I don't know that you can claim you're the only TJ Edwards fan in town. If I was uh, the guy who suggested first, they should do an extension. Well, my, my only thing with TJ was they didn't need to. He, he wasn't going to be an unrestricted free agent. So my thought process was, well, they don't need to extend him yet. So not that he doesn't deserve an extension. But um, I, although Pro Football Focus did their most underrated players on each NFL team, and they picked TJ Edwards. So there's somebody else who 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 likes TJ. But um I'm going to be in it because I can't take T.J. Edwards off the field. So to me, it's Kaiser White. Everybody else we've talked to has said it's going to be Nicobe or T.J. and Kaiser White's going to be out there. I I I don't think T.J.'s coming off the field. I don't. But we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, and this is, I guess, as you can tell, John, if I like a guy, I really like a guy, and I really like Nicobe Dean. 
it sounds like a knock on TJ Edwards when you say I'd move uh, Dean to the middle linebacker and keep him on the field as much as I did. It's not a knock on Edwards. It's just I think he can be supplanted by a guy who can be a top 10 linebacker in a game. No, I get it. One of my favorite stories, I get what you're saying. My One of my favorite stories, I probably told you this before, is the Adrian Peterson story when the Vikings drafted Adrian Peterson. And I asked one of their personnel guys, I go, you know, I didn't know Adrian Peterson was going to become Adrian Peterson. And he, they were coming off a year. It was a bad team. I think Adrian was the seventh pick somewhere. They were top 10 pick. Um, but they had a good running back by the name of Chester Taylor. It was coming off like a 1,200-yard season. He had 50, 60, caught 50, 60 balls out of the backfield. Pretty good player. Was he, Mike, was he with the Ravens before yes, or after the Vikings? Before. Before he, the Vikings. He, he, signed yeah, he, as a he was a nice NFL back. Yeah, really nice NFL yeah. back. And, and he was coming off his best year. And I'm like, you guys got a lot of holes. You know, why are you taking a running back? You got a 1,200-yard rusher. And he looked at me, and I tell you, and he said, fuck Chester Taylor. <laughs> and it wasn't – and I tell people – it wasn't an insult to Chester Taylor because really. they thought he was a really good player. They told me this is a Hall of Fame runner. Um, this is this guy's different, and it turned out they were right. Um, and that's you know you could argue that if you think that of Nicobe. Now I don't think Nicobe Dean is going to be Adrian Peterson, but um, if you think that way about a player and you have a good player, good but not great player. And yeah, you say fuck TJ Edwards. I mean, that, thank you, John. You helped me make my point quite well. I'm not ready to go to the links of a Hall of Fame for Nicobe Dean just yet, as you did with Adrian Peterson way back when, or your uh, Viking uh, personnel person you were talking to was ready to go there. I'm not there yet, but I think he's a Pro Bowl level guy. I think he can be an All Pro level guy. As much as I like T.J. Edwards, I don't think I'm going to be putting him in a Pro Bowl level column anytime soon. So, yes, I'm, I'm tr- not trying to minimize Mr. Edwards, but I am telling you how much I do like Nicobe Dean. All right, he will be the first guy we will talk about with our next guest. Matt Manicharian from um, – uh, they, they went all, solution. all yeah. website this year rather than uh, putting out a draft guide, sportsinfosolutions.com. The meeting of analytics with scouting in putting forth projections for guys to be had in the NFL draft. We'll talk to Matt Manicharian next here on Birds 365. of life 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that can you search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Appreciate you streaming in, Birds fans. Uh, got a good guest uh, ready to join us next. He's been on with us before here on Birds 365. Um, I enjoyed the draft guide that he put out uh, the last few years. They went all digital on us this year, so I had to log on to the site to get all the great insights and info and uh, draft reports for all the players in this year's draft from sportsinfosolutions.com. Our buddy Matt Manicharian jumps aboard. Matt, even more importantly than your insight to the draft, are you still happily married? I'm still <laughs> happily married. It's still, still there. Made it, what, 11 days so far, going strong. No, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, Matt, you know, it's interesting Jody brings that way. I, I want to bring this up with you because you have a put, and that's what I love about your experience of put in the scouting part of it and the analytics part of it. Uh, and I was reading Zach Keeper, who works for the Athletic in Indianapolis, uh, did something on the Colts draft. And I, and I want to get your thoughts on this because the Colts personnel department uh, worked they took four days off from mid-December through the draft weekend. So that's 136 days in the building out of a possible 140. They go from 7.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. on weekdays, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on weekends. Um, that's what the preparation is for the NFL draft. So a couple things, you know. How how are you still married? Number one, when you're scouting this league. Number two, personnel guy. 
we'll bring it locally for the Eagles, who started the process with 10 picks and ended up with five. Is that like depressing for the the personnel <laughs> department when you lose, when you do all that work and all of a sudden 10 turns into five? Absolutely. Absolutely. The worst, the worst thing that I think the most depressed as a scouting department we ever were in New Orleans was when we traded our future first round pick for uh, a current number two. And basically we went into the next year with our first pick in the third round. So it was like a big, like uh, every time you went into a school with a blue <laughs> chipper, it was like, we have no chance at this like guy. Yeah. I remember just like laughing about it. Oh yeah. That'd be great to actually have to write a report on him. Like, um, so, you know, you do your work and everything like that, but I would say at some point around the November of that year, it did become really fun because we were laser focused on that third round pick. So there is something fun about that. But yeah, the more the more gifts you get to open under the tree, the more fun it is as a scout. So absolutely, it's it's depressing when that happens. What was your question before that? I feel like there was something uh, else. Just the just the workload, and and I gave you that Indianapolis example of 136 days out of 140 in the building working 12 hours a day at least yeah it sounds about right it sounds about right um you know this is football this is high leverage and everybody's trying to win so people are spending more than 100 hours a week in the office all year long uh that's that's totally realistic um you see i got married uh early in may because i was very much planning for the one time of year where things die down a little bit <laughs> um and go as far as that go the other thing i'll say is I'm I'm very uh, happily married. I'm in the honeymoon phase right now, so I, I can say that. But um, I think that for some of these guys that really like to spend all that time in the office and get kind of obsessive about showing their face as opposed to just doing the work, which is what I tend to, to lean towards, uh, sometimes maybe those guys don't want to be around their families that many hours per day. I think that sometimes you'll see that that's part of what's going on there. That is uh, unfortunately probably true. Uh, we're talking in generalities here, but you might be onto something there. All right. And I do want to give props, John. I didn't see the article in The Athletic you're referring to. Plenty of credit to the Indianapolis Colts staff, because if they stuck it out, even after Carson Wentz got to his 75% of snaps taken, and we knew the Eagles were going to get that Colts first round pick, if they still stuck around knowing that they weren't going uh, down the first round road as Matt uh, referenced earlier, it does kind of bum you out a little bit. But since John went there, what do you think of the Colts draft? We're going to get your thoughts on the Eagles draft in just a second because this is Birds 365. But all that time and effort, what did you uh, end up evaluating the Colts draft as this year? I had a bunch of third-round picks, didn't have the first-round pick, took Alec Pierce in the second round. Um, what do you think of the Colts draft? You know, I think if you're the Colts, it was a little bit of a different situation coming in this year because their roster's in such a place where they're really in win-now mode. So I think when you look at a lot of what they did in the draft, they did a lot of uh, bringing in reinforcements, making sure that they have the depth of their roster filled out. Not a lot of guys that I think are going to step onto the field as starters for them right away. Um, but you look at their roster in the way that they that they kind of stack out now. They've got blue chippers at every level of their offense. They got the three great offensive linemen, really good receiver, really good running back on the defensive front, right? You got Buckner up front. You got Leonard on the next level. Uh, so they've got guys at all sort of levels of the team. It, it comes down to is the quarterback going to be the quarterback for, for making their run right now? When I look into a lot of their 
picks, none of them really like jump out and I say, oh, I get so excited about Alec Pierce and, and what he can bring. But I do think these are all guys that will find roles on their team. Uh, Matt, uh, you know, I, one team I always talk about in the draft, and it seems this way every year, and that to me is Eric DeCosta, and really goes back to Ozzie Newsom. But I, I joked about in the fourth round, I think every time I was at the Novacare Complex here in Philly, and every time I looked up, the, the Ravens had six picks in the fourth round. But, you know, they were taking a player, but they were taking a good player. They were taking good value player. Uh, you know, I hate to have you grade the smartest team in the NFL, but I I threw out two or three teams at you. Would Baltimore be one of them? I mean, they're so consistent year after year after year. Yeah, they've, you know, like you mentioned, since Ozzy's been there, right? So since they became the Ravens, they seem to have really figured out this ability to balance sort of um, finding really productive players in college with finding players that have the athletic ability to be what they want to be, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, it feels like throughout the whole time that they've been there, they've been stacked defensively uh, since Ray Lewis and Ed Reed all the way through now. Um, and now you look at, um, you know, how do they do it? I think they, they have a, a better process than a lot of teams in sort of managing the new age sort of information, the analytics, whatever you want to call it along with the old school of football and not letting one of them get too far out from the other one where they say they've never been a team that says we're going to pass 80% of the time, right? They're, they're one of the most analytically advanced teams and yet they're one of the most run heavy teams. So um, I think that they have a really good conviction about what they believe is valuable for them and they stick with it. And yeah, you look at their team this year and uh, you see an Isaiah likely coming in the fourth round to them. And you're like, wow, give me some of that. Yeah. Um, you see Kyle Hamilton, they just let him fall into their lap. I mean, uh, he could be one of the best safeties in the NFL. So, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think that they tend to do a great job every year. And I'm really impressed by their ability to, to balance things because I don't think John Harbaugh is necessarily analytically inclined. But, man, he does a great job leveraging the information. All right. I've got to uh, hopefully give you tremendous props for your grades after the fact, because if you guys are accurate, then you got a happy host here. Uh, my two teams are the Jets in the AFC and the Eagles in the NFC. Who had the best draft this year, as per your uh, info uh, solutions? Who do we who do we give the number one to? That was that was that was Nate Cooper that put that together. That 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 would be the Jets, and who did you have number two? That would be the, the Eagles. Eagles. Yeah. So those are my two teams. Thank you very much. Best draft, second best draft in the NFL this year. Uh, how big dividends do both teams get to cash in on year one with the selections that they made this past draft? I mean, I think when you look at the reason why the, the rankings come out so well, it's because they got a lot of players that uh, are good players and not a lot of players that, 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 we, that we thought were um, kind of a, a waste of a draft pick. So it was the high hit rate combined with some really high value people. Obviously, both these teams had a lot of draft capital. That always helps when you have good draft capital coming in. It helps you have the good, you know, one of the best drafts. Um, but, you know, now in terms of the play on the field, we got to see how it all goes and we got to see how they develop. Right. It's one thing to draft the players. It's another thing. Can you develop them into your system? Uh, you know, I think we like to think of this game as like you were a good scout because you drafted this player. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's a whole lot more that goes into it once they come in, starting with the, the mini camps. 
Uh, with the Eagles, though, Matt, they did lose the volume. So, but they did pick up AJ Brown, a proven player. So, how does that kind of factor in when you look at the draft as a whole and you're able to uh, spin off significant draft assets for a player that is still very young and and proven? Uh, how do you guys sort of weigh that when you're when you're measuring draft success? So, you know, that's not something that we're directly, you know, tying into the draft evaluation per se. But in terms of the roster building, it's obviously huge. You're talking about a guy, what is he, 25 years old? 24, uh, I think, yeah. 24, 24. so yeah. he's uh, he's one of the better receivers in the NFL. You see a team that brought in Devontae Smith last year, and now all of a sudden you you made that a position of strength for the Eagles. So I think you're talking about – um, the way that they transform their roster becomes more important. And this isn't a 30-year-old that you bought in where you're paying him $30 million for the next couple of years and then you wasted your draft pick. This is somebody who's going to be a part of your roster, hopefully for the next five-plus years. So um, it's, it's not something that I love to do to give away draft capital in order to bring in a player because when you look at really the dollars and cents behind it, it's a salary cap league. You have to pay the guy. Right. They, they yeah. gave him the contract. Yeah. So you have to pay him. So really, you do lose this um, cheap asset that a, that a, a high draft pick would become. All that said, this player is so exciting <laughs> that you kind of have to throw that a little bit out the window. Um, you know, there's a thing where where you can talk about all this value, the dollars and cents. Would, would you rather have one player for $20 million who's a great player, or would you rather have two players for $10 million who are pretty good players? And, and you could have this debate all day long. At the end of the day, when you get A.J. Brown-type players on your team, that's that's a freaky good draft. Uh, I mean, that's a freaky good acquisition. And then you start talking about some of the players who were added. When you talk about a Jordan Davis, you talk about a N'Kobe Dean, now you're really starting to, to talk about a, a, a roster that you probably filled three starting-level positions on draft day. That's hard to do. Let me ask you about one of those guys you just mentioned. That's Nicobe Dean. I thought he was the best linebacker in this draft. I thought he was going in the first round. He ended up falling to the Eagles mid-third round in the 80s. Lots of speculation as to why that was the case. Um, a lot of people who put out mock drafts and valuations and rankings had him significantly higher than where he was drafted. You guys marry analytics to scouting. Why did, did what was your number coming into the draft? Where did you have him ranked and rated? If it was higher than where the Eagles got him, yeah, I'd bet every penny in my pocket that that was the case. Why do you think he fell down as far as he did? I have to I have to double check the exact number ranking, but I know we had him in like the middle of the first round type range in terms of play, here 15th overall 15. as a player, and he for, went 84. We've got him rated as a three down starting linebacker. Um, yes. Physically, he's not, um, you know, a guy who's 6'5 and 240 and, and bringing all the things that, that Michael Parsons brings, you know, to the table or anything like that. But in terms of a player that can play in the run game, can play in the pass game, he's been productive. Um, the, tra the, the physical traits, I think, are enough for the NFL level. They're not high end. And so that's why that's what keeps him from being like in that blue chip range and, the, you know, like the top five discussion type player. The reason why I think he drops more than everything is that he's got an injury history. He had a labrum, and I think he 
the the sort of injury that he had, as well as I understand it from our, our injury folks that we have at Sports Info Solutions, they put the yellow flag on him during the draft, which, which meant this is something that could be degenerative. This is something that could have long-term impact. And because of that, my guess is the team, different teams' medical staffs, as they poke and prod him at the combine, he might have been off of some people's boards. He might have been downgraded on some people's boards. And when you, when you have those injury flags, you'll find that as the draft goes on and you're looking at your big board, right, you've got it going across all the positions and you've got it grades from high to low. And you'll see there'll be some tags that stick out up there with the blue dot for the character flag or with the red dot for the injury flag, or in this case, the yellow flag, which is kind of like the caution, not a, not a full stop for us. So um, my guess is a big part of why he fell was the long-term injury risk. And the good news there is sometimes the injury risk uh, assessments are, are wrong. And um, that's all they are is risk assessments. They're just percentages. And, you know, the Eagles do a great job of playing the percentages and different things like that. They were comfortable with it. From what I understand, they were comfortable with it in the second round even given the injury flags and, and the lack of, you know, being a, a big, tall, rangy linebacker like that. But uh, when you get back to the player, this is somebody who was all over the field for Georgia. You can't, you couldn't miss him if you were watching a game last year. If he's got one shortcoming in his game, I think that sometimes you see him get kind of swallowed up by blockers when offensive linemen can get out on him and, and maybe he'll have some leaky yardage. Uh, he's not like a blowback tackler or anything like that. But, man, this is a guy that is all over the field. I think he'll play as a chase linebacker in the NFL. Fits better on kind of the weak side of the defense as opposed to on the strong side there. And I think he plays in the pass game all three downs, calls the defense for the teams by the time he's in his second season probably. Um, I, I love this pick. I love this player, and I hope he stays healthy. And that's where Jordan Davis should help as well, Matt, because a lot Captain of those Green. Georgia highlights are, are Jordan Davis swallowing up two blockers and letting Nicobe Dean get to the football. Um, I, I mentioned the scouting part with you. I want to go into the analytics part. So we mentioned Baltimore a little bit. The Eagles are known for using analytics or data science very well. Cleveland with Andrew Berry was also here. Um Minnesota now with uh, uh, Kwesi is is going that direction. Are you able to to tell uh, which teams are are using that part of it more when you look at their draft boards and who they selected, how they went about doing their business? Which teams are sort of more open minded when it comes to that aspect of it? You know what's funny is that uh, analytics comes in such different shapes and sizes that if I were to say do I look at the team that drafts for athleticism? Do I look for the team that drafts for production or something like that? And uh, usually it's not that the most analytical teams are all on the same side of that kind of spectrum of drafting for athleticism versus production. It ends up being that different analytical teams and different old school teams have different amounts that they care about kind of traits versus on-field production versus character, versus injuries, versus whatever else. What I think we see is that the teams that we know to be more analytically inclined, they tend to have a little bit of a more consistent process. So when you look at the decisions that they make, it usually does a good job of fitting into the sort of uh, script that they've that they've written for themselves. Um, it's, it's rare that the Browns make a move that's just totally head-scratching, that doesn't seem like something – that fits what they would do. Um, but then there are teams like the Packers. The Packers, I would say, are middle of the pack in terms of 
how analytically focused they are. They do some things, but they're not obsessed with it. They're they're obsessed with the Packers way, the way what's got them to be such a successful franchise for 70 years or whatnot. So with them, we see almost all the way in terms of we want athleticism, 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 athleticism. That's what they draft for. It's somebody who can who can test well at the combine or somebody who when you when you look at the computer vision and you can see who's the fastest change of direction, people, stuff like that. The people with the most wingspan with, you know, height, weight, speed. We see the Packers drafting those people. And it's not to say that they're analytically inclined or that they're more old school minded. They're just very consistent in that philosophy. So the answer to your question is, yes, you can see the differences between the teams, but the differences don't tend to manifest themselves like um, like the same way we look at um, NFL teams. Yeah, the, the the Ravens are more run heavy, even though they're more analytical. How do you how do you square that? Well, it's consistent with how the Ravens like to build their football team and what they believe in. So you've got to build your quote-unquote analytics to match what you're trying to be as a team, right? If you set a, a KPI, if you set a goal for yourself, I want to be this good at third down pass rushing, whatever it is, well, then you've got to create a process that gets you there. So um, usually that's how I see it. When I see teams that make a lot of head-scratching moves, more often than not, those are your Dave Gettleman shoot by the head. One year, one year we're trading all of our draft picks away. The yeah. next year we're 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 you know we're just trading down. You know, like what's his plan? I can't tell because there probably really isn't a great one. Um, when you look at a Howie, right there, there always seems to be. Sometimes he'll make a move that that takes you back a step. Oh, we're trading for AJ Brown. I didn't know we were we were a buyer like that. But it fits, right? It fits with the vision to be a really strong passing team. We feel like we have what, what you know the, the rest of the offense built the way we need it to be. We needed another weapon there. Let's upgrade that position and let's go try to win a Super Bowl. Uh, so that that tends to be the way I look at it, if that makes sense. I do want to ask you another Eagle draft question on Cam Jurgens, their second round draft pick. Talk to, I think it was Tony Pauline, uh, who I know you'll know because uh, he's been doing draft stuff for, for decades, uh, told me that he thought he was the best center in the draft, even above and beyond Tyler Lindebaum, who was drafted before he was. Um, if you're going to get the best center in the draft and you can do so in the second round, I don't know how you can knock the pick other than he's not going to need to step in and play year one because Kelsey's still in place. How did you rank the centers? What kind of a grade did you have on Jurgens? Did the Eagles get value with where they took him in the second round? Jurgens was the guy that we didn't we didn't love as much as some of the others. I think when you look at him, I, I'm a Linderbaum guy because to me, I've seen it on the film, and I'm a real sucker for production. Right? We talk about how different teams value different things. I'm a real sucker for production, and uh, I think he's got the athletic characteristics that you need. Center is not the you don't have to be the most athletic, biggest, strongest, whatever, in order to do that. Now, so Jurgens ranked as our, he ranked as our fifth center overall. Wow. Um, yeah. So, and he's kind of, but he's, you know, uh, should be an average type starter by his second season, we, we would think. Uh, we see him as, as a, as a okay player, a good player, a starting level player, just not somebody that elevates you. Now, what I think you like about him is some of the athletic upside. Right. Whereas a Linderbaum, maybe it's not as much there. This is somebody who's really an explosive athlete. And if you're trying to build in the Kelsey mold, if you're trying to find somebody that you think you're, you're going to make the heir apparent and can develop into that, there's some good clay to work with here. Uh, when you talk about just um, 
the movement ability of a Cam Jurgens. I think that's what elevated him to, to the Eagles, to why, why they looked at him. I would like to see somebody who I think is, has put it together a little bit more, um, and I would feel more comfortable coming in right away. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't hate the pick because I do think that there's a vision there and there, there's a path to seeing how he could become, uh, if not a, a, a great offensive lineman, at least a very good one. Uh, Matt, do you think teams get too caught up at times, uh, you know, when you have a player like Jason Kelsey and he's gotten to where he's gotten through this unique athleticism um, and nobody saw it coming as a six round pick, let's be honest. And they say, well, let's go get the most athletic center. I remember when the Vikings traded Randy Moss and they drafted Troy Williamson because he could run, Uh, you know, and, How'd that work out? Do you get, uh, can you get too caught up in traits of, of great players and let's just get the next Jason Kelsey when there probably isn't the next Jason Kelsey? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one. Absolutely. Um, you can definitely get trapped in that. I've seen it happen so many times. I can remember, uh, you know, Sean Payton, for example, when I was down in Miami, in uh, New Orleans, at, at times it would be, um, well, I don't need that. I need, I need Colston. I don't need that. I need Lance Moore. Like you, yeah. you, you think about an archetype of something that's worked for you in the past and you know how it fits into your system and you sort of want that same thing because you know, it'll work out well. Um, and you can trick yourself for sure. You can start watching the college film and you can start saying, Ooh, I see Kelsey there. Ooh, I see mm. Kelsey there. And that's why we like to ground things in more of a, a process. Now I will also say, this is all a probabilities game. This is all, we don't know anything about how these human beings are going to develop tech. I don't know what I'm going to eat for breakfast tomorrow morning, let alone how a a 22 year old kid is going to develop over the next three years. Right. There's, there's a lot of variables here when when you talk about that. Um, But you can also do the opposite. You can get too much into what you have seen and you can forget about how important traits can be and how important it is to, to kind of build your team aspirationally. So if you want to be a heavy zone blocking offense, if you want to do a lot of this RPO stuff, um, and you want to have somebody that can really be a move center for you. I don't want to say that it's that it's necessarily wrong. I think more often than not, you can lead yourself down the wrong path. But also, uh, you know, broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> All right, Matty, I'm going to ask you about a team you just referenced where you used to work, uh, New Orleans, because John and I have kind of debated Mickey Loomis's draft strategy, off-season strategy, I should say, uh, since the season ended. Uh, John questions as to whether they're a little too overaggressive to be going for it now. I get it. I like when teams go for it rather than take three steps backwards to take five steps forward down the road. Uh, traded with the Eagles, got an extra first-round pick, traded again to get Chris Olave, went up and aggressively pursued him, got Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa with their second first-round pick. I think the Saints have actually had a pretty good offseason other than Coach Payton walking away. Uh, I like the upgrading they've done with their roster. Are they a now team? Did you like their draft? I, uh, I'm i probably scarred from too many drafts with Mickey where, where he did just what we talked about before. He went from 10 picks to five or he traded away the future first rounder. So um, I'm still scarred from that. I don't like <laughs> the trade-ups. I don't like the sacrificing future assets. I think the Eagles should be happy to have their assets kind of in next year as opposed to this year, given where they are, where they're at as a franchise, right? If, if Jalen Hurts can't be that dude this year, then you'll have some of that ammunition that, that you'll want. 
with a lot of the rest of the roster in place. So I, I prefer to be on that side of things. Um, but this is Mickey. This is what he's done. This is what he's done in free agency. He spent and spent and spent, and we'll figure out how to restructure it if we need to in the future. Um, it's cost them some players that they haven't been able to keep. You look at Hendrickson playing for Cincinnati in the Super Bowl, and uh, you see that was a player directly that was, you know, the expense of this. Um, but then at the same time, you pencil in Olave as a starter, you pencil in Penning as a starter. That helps a lot to replace the loss of, of Sean Payton. Um, uh, they also lost uh, their left tackle, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Teron Armstead. Armstead, good player. Yeah, yeah. Very good player. So, I mean, you know, you win one, lose one there. Penning being more, I think, ready in the run game, where Armstead was more of a player who excelled in the pass game. Um, I like going in. I'm with you. I like going at it and trying to win, win because what else are they going to do? Like, Sean Payton's going to be in Dallas next year or in Miami if, if Tom Brady can buy the team or whatever they're, they're saying. <laughs> So, so Sean Payton's not not walking through that door. Yeah. So you better figure out a way to get your offense going. Get the polished receiver in Olave. Get the high upside tackle in Penning, and uh, and and try to win. Um, I think Mickey probably is in a spot right now where he's saying, "We've been in win now mode for about ten years. We're going to stay in win now mode until I'm out of here, mm-hmm. and it'll be the next guy's problem." And they'll have that cleanup year at some point where they'll have to deal with the books and they'll have to do that. But just because Sean Payton left. I don't see why he should feel like he has to do that right now. Um, if I was the owner, maybe I would be a little bit more uh, feeling that way. But as the as in his role, try to win. Uh, he is Matt Manicharian at Matt Mano on Twitter, NFLDraft.SportsInfoSolutions.com. They do tremendous work, Matt. I you know you know how this works as you know. Certainly when the draft is going to three days, you get that first round, everybody sits back overnight and they say, wow, so-and-so is still on the board. Do we want to move up and get them? Uh, same thing day two to day three. So I want you to put on your 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 GM hats, uh, and I'm giving you the first pick on day three of the draft. Who was the guy that Matt Manicharian would have been pounding the table for when the when the fourth round started, because I want a diamond, I want a diamond in the rough. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I, I want yeah, you're your making guy. me go back in time. I'm trying to remember who was there uh, that I liked. Maybe. Um, I'm trying to think who we had who we had way up there that 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 hadn't been taken yet. Um. I'm going to I'm going to give you the names. So, you know, generally, you know how people kind of reset their you know board, they get all excited, they 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 you know, say so and so is still on the board and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it ended up being um let's see, who was the first pick in the fourth round? It ended up being uh Kate Otten, the tight end from Washington. Then Damian Pierce came off the board, Perrion Winfrey, Kobe yep. Bryant, the quarterbacks, by the way. None of the quarterbacks. Kobe you know, Bryant had, was a good one there. Kobe Bryant yeah. making it to the fourth round, I thought was a was a pretty, pretty nice pick there. The other yeah. corner out of Cincy. Yeah, the big tackle from Minnesota, uh, who's got Jordan, so, Jordan Mylotta like size. The guy, um, the guy that I would have liked is actually a guy who came up earlier when we were talking about the Ravens, Isaiah Likely, the tight end out of Coastal Carolina. He would have been the guy, I think, for me that I would have been uh, the most hot on at the at the at the 
first in the in the fourth round, somebody who I thought should have come off the board on day two. I think he's uh, going to be an impactful receiver in the NFL this year. Uh, you know, get him on your on your fantasy draft if you can. Uh, this is a guy who's going to come in. He's going to be more of the move tight end. He's going to be somebody who uh, immediately being, brings uh, pass catching ability and run after the catch ability. I think to their offense and, and, you know, they love to get the ball to their tight end. So I think it's a good fit. Yeah, there. That helps as well. They love getting the ball to the tight end. So that, that helps as well. But uh, you know, now, now that I say it real quick, I'll follow it up with the quarterbacks because we talked about it the entire time. This is a weak quarterback uh, class, weak quarterback class. Well, the NFL stamped that basically. I mean, the NFL validated that it was Kenny Pickett and then not another quarterback to the third round. Did that surprise you just how how down the NFL as a whole was on this particular quarterback class? It didn't surprise me from watching the players. From watching the players, I kind of felt the same way. I, you know, there was nobody I was really excited about as a first rounder. Our highest ranked quarterback was our number 42 player in the draft. So that part didn't surprise me. What surprised me was that the teams actually kept their discipline about it. They just, you know, you see every year the Daniel Jones picks and things like that, where I don't think he should be picked at number six overall. But it happens anyway. And, uh, you know, each of these quarterbacks, I think the warts were just there enough with each of them, whether it was just Malik Willis is such a project and Kenny Pickett, what can we really develop him into? And, and, you know, you go down the list and you see, you know, there's either a a limited upside or a big hole where you're really not sure if it's going to come through with each of these guys. And for the first time, I I can remember in a long time, the the team's really – kept their discipline and didn't didn't go reach for anybody. So that was the surprising part for me, not the evaluations. I think if you watched, the evaluations were what they were. And, hey, we'll, we'll all be correct that this is a poor quarterback class until Tom Brady, you know, yeah. is 199th <laughs> overall, and then it's a great quarterback class, right? Um, but but given what it was, that part wasn't surprising to me. It was the that the positional value of quarterbacks didn't transcend that to the point where you at least saw more guys go on day two. Forget about the first pick in the fourth round. The key was the first pick in the sixth round when the punt god went to Buffalo. Yeah. Had a raise that and third punter the- off the board, right? That's unbelievable. Still he can't believe the that punter. that's the way yeah. it shook out. All right, I want to follow up on John's question. Last one for you, Matt. Looking forward, and we hope for the Eagles' sake that we don't have to deal with this. That Howie Roseman just has an extra asset that he can play the move up, move down game with that he's not having to desperately bundle them to get in position to take a quarterback next year. Next year's quarterback class as compared to this year's quarterback class. You gave us great rundown on where they were and the fact that the NFL stood its ground and didn't overdraft quarterbacks. How good is next year's class compared to this year's class? No, we got a whole year to do it. And if I'd asked you this question a year before Joe Burrow had the year he had, you would have told me, Day three pick at best, he ended up being the number one. So I know it's an unfair question because we need to watch the entire year, but we do it all the time, analyze in advance. How good do you see this upcoming year, the 2023 draft for quarterbacks? Yeah, um, better than this year. Uh, better than this year is the, is the short answer, which is partially just this year's class was not very good. I don't see this being a, a transcendent quarterback class coming up, but a couple guys that get you really excited One certainly at the top is Bryce Young uh, coming out of Alabama. We've all seen him play. He's very exciting. He's uh, When you watch any of the Alabama players on film this year, he's somebody that keeps catching your eye because this is is a legitimate quarterback prospect for the NFL. Now, he's small. He's very small. 
Um, so that's going to be a thing, and that's going to be the the debate that comes up with him. Um, I think he's athletic enough and he's uh, talented enough where he's still going to be in the mix for a very high pick overall. I will say that, though, if we had this conversation a year ago, it would have been Sam Howell that we were talking about as a potential number one pick. And um, the the Oklahoma quarterback couldn't even make it through the season as the starter. Uh, Spencer Rattler, yeah. Right, Spencer Rattler yeah. Was, was the other guy that was being talked about. So that's how maybe little we know about where we'll be a year from now on any of these guys. But I do get excited about Bryce Young. I get excited about C.J. Stroud. And I think just generally um, after the COVID year led to like a weird texture of the draft where we had a lot of very good players in last year's draft, but not a lot of players. And then we just had a lot of players in this year's draft, but maybe not a lot of the super high end ones because they came out a year early. I think we'll get back to a little bit more of a regular-ish cycle next year. And we will certainly be having you on leading up to the draft, right before the draft, after the draft. Can't get married on us again. So we'll uh, have you on even more so next year. Thing. Uh, hopefully so for you, Hope buddy. So. Uh, Matt, always a pleasure. You give us good info whenever you hop aboard. Thanks for coming on. We'll be in touch again real soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Matt Manicharian from Sports Info Solution. Check out the website, Sports Info, Info, Sports Info Solutions. Com. Matt does a uh, very good job, and we always appreciate having him on the show. All right, uh, running a little late. We'll come back, put a bow on the show here on Bird Street 65. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Action News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk Champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, thank a mama. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All right, Johnny Mac, uh, running out of time here on a Wednesday edition of Birds 365. Um, you will be heading over to the uh, Novacare Complex because the Eagles going to make some uh, players available to you. We speculated on it earlier in the show, but for those of you just streaming in, you know you've already had a chance to talk to during this uh, offseason. They'll want to replicate it and give you the same guys over again. Um, so your best guess at the number of players you're going to get a chance to talk to. And uh, depending on that number, I'm going to hit uh, put out an over-under on how many you get correct. How many oh, How many wow. players will be available for Well, you? it's usually five or six. Um, you know, I mentioned TJ. TJ Edwards, I'm, 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 I'm really rock solid you're, on. You're bullish on TJ. All well, right. because TJ usually talks and he hasn't talked yet, so. I'm bullish on TJ. Um, I think then it's if it's either five or six, you have to go three out of five or three out of six. If they go six deep, right. you get a little breathing room there. Uh, I'm going. I'm, gonna... I'm going. Ed brought up Fletcher Cox. I'm going. Fletcher hasn't talked, and you know maybe he doesn't want to talk because of the contract stuff. But uh, got to get it over with at some point. He would have typically been on the day one, and we didn't get him on day two. This is day three. Um, you know, each week, gotta believe Fletcher's got to come out. Um, who right, else so you got Fletcher, TJ, you got Landon Dickerson, a very confident. Landon, you're going all right. Uh, it's about it's will, his will he have overalls on when he comes to talk to you. Uh, probably not. It's not hot enough for the overalls yet. Um, although it's going to be hot this weekend, who knows with Lando? Um, uh, All right, so you got two more guesses. You got to get three. You got to get three correct. You get five guesses. Fletcher, Edwards, Dickerson. Um, my my, I mentioned my my underrated uh, long shot, Quez Watkins. I think Quez, it's time. Yeah, that's right. You gave us Quez. All right, you got one time. more. You got one more. You can take a poke with, and you got to hit on three out of five. To All right, Quez. it's gonna be. I'm gonna have to go defense. We talked. I'm going to go. Oh, I know I'm where you should go. go. I'm going to go Epsy. Epsy, that's exactly what I was thinking. If he's going to be a starting safety for this yeah. team as of right now, you need to hear from Marcus Epps. Yeah, and he's willing to talk. I'm going to go Epsy. Epsy. Uh, Johnny yeah. Mac, I think you're got. I think you going to hit your three out of five. I think, you're I right think I'm going to hit two. I, I'm, I'm confident in Edwards and, and Landon Dickerson. Those, okay. those are my most confident. Uh, we'll see how many out of five. This will be the first thing. You want to know what's coming up tomorrow here on Birds 365? The first thing is going to be, did McMullen go over on his player availability projections? Should be fun. Uh, Johnny Mac, uh, have a good time talking to the guys today. Uh, looking forward to talking to you again tomorrow. Uh, me too. We'll be right back here on Birds 365 in two and two. 
You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.